Pink orange. Who has ever thought about orange? I brought an orange this morning. Um, did y'all catch the video? The church is the light of the world, and the parents in, uh, in our situation, they're the ones that love the children unconditionally, and they're represented by red up there, and yellow and red makes what? Orange. And orange is the curriculum that we use on the, in the children's ministry side, uh, which is really cool. The funny thing, I'm going to say this joke. I asked a kid the other day, I don't know what this has to do with this morning, but it was funny. I asked a kid the other day, I said, uh, could you spell orange? And he said, are you talking about the fruit or the color? <laughs> that was pretty good. I just want to make you laugh. <laughs> I said the fruit. Um, but the children's ministry, I want to come this morning and give you a little bit of vision of what we do on the children's side. We absolutely love the time we have with the kids. And did you know from the time a child is born until they graduate from high school, that's a long time that you think, but it's 940 weekends. 940 weekends from the time a child is born until they graduate. When they're in kindergarten, it's 636 weekends. When they're in third grade, it's 468 weekends. When they're in ninth grade, it's only 208 weekends. And we, children's ministry, and youth ministry, we value the time with your children or youth every weekend because we don't have them that long. And that's why it's so important that we partner with parents in raising you know, your, your kids. Life happens fast. We actually want to partner with you to help your child discover and embrace a growing relationship with uh, JC, Jesus Christ. You know, and that's our goal. Um, there's three core truths. When I think of children's ministry, there's three core truths that we want every child to know by the time they live fifth, leave fifth grade. Now, down here on the front row, there's fourth and fifth graders. We brought y'all down here because Christian wants to actually speak to you today, which is kind of cool, you know, this morning. But by the time that you leave the children's ministry, there's three core things that we want you to know. One is this, that you can trust God no matter what, that you guys can trust God no matter what. The second thing is that you need to learn to make wise decisions, you know, and how you spend your time in God's word at church, you know, what you do with your decisions you make. And the third thing is that we try to, the core truth is the golden rule, you know, doing to others as you have them doing to you. And uh, those are three core truths that we try to do, but then you ask, well, how do you do that? We try to show kids this. Number one, that God is the source of all wisdom and truth. And we find that in his word. You know, I'm trying to encourage the kids to bring their Bibles, you know, up there to open their Bibles, to look at the scripture. Um, so we, we want them to know that God is a source of wisdom and truth. Secondly, that how what they learn applies, like what they learn up there. Even if you're in this service here, these adults, what they learn in here, how that applies to their daily life, you know, and how you, it helps you in your walk. And the third thing is that relationships with small group leaders and friends, relationships that you have with a church body, that matters. Relationships that you have with my neighbors, I look out there, hey, Dave, hey, Jane, that matters, you know, um, it matters. And we do all of this in the children's ministry around a scripture, and the scripture is found, and actually it's the scripture that Christian is going to use this morning, it's Luke 2.52. He's going to talk about it a little bit. It's this, as in Jesus grew in wisdom and stature. Jesus grew up in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Most kids, listen to this point, most kids from their entire, actually most kids form their entire idea of who God is and they choose whether or not they will have a relationship with him 
before they leave the fifth grade. And y'all, that's why we're blessed here at this church to have, that sounds weird, I was going to say to have me full time. (laughs) Y'all are blessed to have me here. (laughs) That didn't sound too good. To have somebody devoted full time to kids ministry. Um, And we value that. And I think the Lord blesses that. But you guys, you know, that quote again, it says, most kids form your idea of who God is and choose whether or not they will have a relationship with him by the time you leave fifth grade. And I put that on my shoulders. And I pray for you guys, you know, that y'all accept Christ and, uh, and learn how to, to walk with him. That's why, ultimately, weekends are so important in your attendance here, but even weekday stuff. Because we just have a little bit of time with you. 940 weekends by the time you graduate. It's what we call, you know, our 252 basics. It's not just a curriculum. It's a strategy that we have for our children's ministry. Our influence is temporary, while a parent's influence is lifelong. And instead of it being two separate things, we partner together. Something can happen in the hearts of these kids. Something can happen in the hearts of your kids. Or your, sorry, students. He told me about their students. Something will happen in the hearts of them when the church and the family collide together and do ministry together because two combined influences have a bigger impact than just two influences. So we value um, that relationship with parents and, um, you know, here at the church. And that's kind of just like the vision of the, the children's ministry and what we do, you know. But we're blessed to have the support of the church. And Christian is going to tell a little bit about, about the youth ministry this morning. Yeah, so that, that building over there, Warehouse 247, we, we, get, we don't use orange, but if you... If you look at what those, those 252 basics, Luke 252, um, they go right along with what our church vision, our mission is, right? Love God, connect with others, reach the world. And that's how we say it in student ministry as well, is that we want students, by the time they leave, that they, are, they love God, right? That, and then they disciple others, and they connect with them, and then they serve, Right, that's what we want to see throughout student ministry. So these fourth and fifth graders are another year or two away from being in our student ministry that one runs from sixth through twelfth grade. But we want to partner with you guys. The same thing that children's ministry does, and what we do in our student ministry is not that um, that they come and get all of their Jesus, all of their God on a Wednesday night or a Sunday morning, but that they but that we partner. Right, that you guys are the number one disciples of your kids. Right, as parents. And then, but we come alongside, we're like, we're like, yeah, he ate the orange. Like, you can't make a meal out of an orange. We're just like the little extra fruit. Can I have my, I'm sorry, does anybody have an extra orange for the 11 o'clock service? (laughs) 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 He got a little hungry. So that's what we want to do, though. As a student ministry, we desire that students love God, connect with others, reach the world. And we do that through many different ways of of fun stuff and, and discipleship and teaching and everything else. Uh, but it's really just a continuation of the children's ministry of what they get, what they've been taught. And it's, it's nice that, you know, we get, they get in the sixth grade, seventh grade, and I'm not having to teach them uh, the basics. Corby and the children's ministry has already, already got that together. What do you say we get into to preaching? I've never preached on a Sunday morning, so we're going to see how this goes. You all right? Let's pray, because I'm going to need a lot of prayer this morning. Really, like, Corby... <laughs> Corby is here. He's our children's pastor. He didn't introduce himself. So if you don't know, he's our children's pastor. And I'm the student pastor. And um, 
So we do. We love your kids, and we're thankful for um, all of your kids and grandkids and that they get to uh, hang out with us on Wednesdays and Sundays and other days of the week. Um, so let's pray and let's get in the message because we're talking about uh, kids today. Yeah. All right. Be good. God, thank you so much for uh, this morning. God, thank you for each and every one of these people here. God, just ask that you speak uh, through me, God, that it's nothing that I have to say, but God, that it's all um, what your word says, God, not what I say, but what your word says. God, we thank you and we praise you for all that you have done this morning, God, and all that you're going to continue to do. We ask all this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Later, Corbin. You can, you can leave now. <laughs> All right, so really, so this is the first time I've ever spoke on a Sunday morning in a preaching capacity. So we're going to go on a journey, and we're going to see where this leads us, and we don't know exactly where this is going to go. So we'll see. Maybe I don't ever get asked to do this again. Um, I do it every Wednesday night, so if you, if you love it, maybe come check us out on Wednesday nights. Um, so we've been in this series, Fixer Upper, for the last couple weeks, and I've really enjoyed the different uh, relationships we've looked at. Like the first week, we looked at God and, and how our relationship with God works, right, and how that we can renovate that. And then we looked at it with our spouses, and then last week, we looked at it with our friends, and it's been a really cool um, way to look at relationships and our, our, as our relationships honoring to God, how are they set up? So this morning, we're going to get into the relationship of that of a child to a parent. And I know a lot of you guys are like, all right, so I'm not a child anymore. This doesn't apply. But this is one of the only relationships we're talking about that like literally everyone has, no matter who you are, right? That if you're sitting here today, you, you had a parent, Right, you have parents. There's, there's no way to get around this. This is a relationship that we've all had. And so I think that even though some of you guys, or most of you guys even aren't with your parents anymore, like actually living in the household with your parents, you fourth and fifth graders, you still live with your parents, um, or a parental figure, a lot of you guys aren't in that situation. But I feel like this is a relationship that we can learn a lot from. Right? Even if we don't know our biological parents or if, or if we've lived a, for 30 years with our biological parents, we all have a relationship with, with someone who is our parents or acting parents. So here's our introduction. One relationship we all have is that of a child to our parents. This relationship is one that God uses to grow us more than just about any other. How are we to look at this relationship from a child perspective and how can renovating this relationship bring glory to God. The scripture actually has a lot to say about this. There's actually over a hundred verses that deal with the uh, child to parent relationship, right? Not just, not just the parent and how to parent and discipline and all that, but how a child should look at their parents and how they should react to their parents. And so since there's a hundred, I figured we'd spend the next two hours going word by word through all 100 verses. So just you know, get your Bibles out, we're going to hit all of them. We'll be fine. We're not going to do that. So, but I do want to say as, as a quick story about myself, and I think that this is like every pastor's journey, is that as a kid, I made my parents' life extremely difficult. 
And I really, I think that this is like a, a requirement for a pastor because uh, most every pastor I've met has about the same story. And it's not that I was like some crazy kid and like going off and doing crazy things, but I just made my parents' life extremely difficult. And I think that maybe like God has a sense of humor and when your kid gets to this point where you're like, the only way this kid can be a pastor is if God works a miracle, like, bam, there, now you got a pastor. That's where you're at because God's a miracle-working God. So, and I've, that's true for every single pastor I've ever met. So, as a kid, I always ask why. Like, I couldn't, the last thing I would take was this answer that parents like to give because I said so or just because or you understand when I get old, when you get older, that kind of thing. I hated that, and I challenged every single Thing my parents said always like if it didn't matter if they said that was an orange I said no that's a lemon like every single time it wouldn't matter what it was I challenged them I remember I was a I was a, in scouts and boy scouts I actually started as a scout when I was as young as you could be and, and tiger cubs and all that and I went all the way through and I got my eagle scout but but up until that when I got into like middle school high school I hated it I hated it, and I followed, like, I loved it, and really, actually, I loved doing it. I just didn't want to do it because my parents wanted me to do it, and I fought them. We would go every single week, and I'd say, I don't want to do it. Dad, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. I'm not going to go, and I'd come up with reasons. Oh, I don't feel good. Oh, I'm sick, and my dad said, look, we're not a quitter. We don't quit. We started, you started something. You wanted to start this. You're going to see it out. You're going you're gonna to see through this entire thing. I didn't raise someone to just quit. And I didn't understand that at the beginning, but I was very adamant about I didn't want to do it. And just because my parents wanted me to do it, I wasn't about it. It's the same thing with church. When I was in eighth grade, our, my parents decided that we were going to move churches. And, and I, this was a big decision actually for our family because it was the church my mother grew up in from like when she was a, a little baby. And so it was a big decision that my parents made. And I hated it. I didn't want to move to, I didn't want to move churches, but there's this thing called youth groups, and I didn't realize that that was a thing because our church at the time, the youth group was me and my younger brother, and that's like all that the church was. It was just us two at the church, and my parents in eighth grade saw he needed Jesus, and he needed some people to talk to him on his level, and he needed some friends to connect with, and so they were going to move to a church that had this student ministry, and I said, I ain't, I'm not going. I'm going to stay back at our, at our other church. And then we kept on, I would argue with them and finally went to this other church. And I was like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go to that. I'm not going to go to that youth group. No way. I ain't going to go. And then of course I did. And really, if I didn't pay attention to my parents and if I didn't listen to my parents this entire time, there's no guarantee that I'm in the position that I am today because my parents knew better than I did. But that's like the deal, right? Kids make it difficult on parents. Parents make it difficult on kids. It's the circle of life. It's the same for everyone, but does it have to be that way? In Exodus, we're gonna start near the beginning of the Bible. Exodus 20, 12, it says this. It says, honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land of the Lord your God is giving you. And this is how God wanted the families of Israel to function. Right, this, is a, this is really interesting because it's a, there's a promise that goes with that so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. And he goes on in Leviticus and Deuteronomy to give some pretty harsh-sounding penalties for kids that don't obey their parents. And I'm not going to get into each and every single one of those, but there's some pretty harsh-sounding penalties 
for those things because he is serious, and it's to show how serious God is about this issue. And he puts a promise attached to it, which is weird because a lot of God's commands, he doesn't put promises, but he did put a promise on this, and he says that so you may live long in the land of the Lord your God is giving you. And so for me, because I'm an egocentric person, I, I'm prideful, and I'm a, like a good American when I read the Bible. I want to know what it says about me, but this actually isn't about me. We read this, and we think this promise must mean if I honor my parents, I get to live a long, fruitful life. But that's actually not what he's saying. God's not talking to the people as individuals. He's talking to the people of Israel as a community. The promise was so that you, the people of Israel, may live long in the land that I'm giving you. He was saying, your long-term place in the land that I'm giving you is connected to the way children honor their parents. And we see this throughout the New Testament, or excuse me, the Old Testament, the Anytime Israel gets in trouble, it's almost always because the children are not in a situation of honoring or obeying their parents. Almost every single time that when Israel gets sideways and with God, it's usually like the, the generation before had it right and the next generation didn't get it right. And if they were honoring their parents and listening to what their parents had to do, they'd be in a better situation. And that's what happens, that every single time they got in trouble with that, they'd end up taken over by the Persians or someone, someone else. So God was serious about it then, but is he still serious about it now? Because we know in Exodus, that's a different, he was talking to the people of Israel. He wasn't talking necessarily to us. That was a command to the people of Israel. But if he was serious about it then, is he still serious about it now? So let's flip more into our Bible, into Luke 2. So we're, we're moving most of the way through the Bible into Luke 2. And near the end of Luke 2, we get a glimpse into 12-year-old Jesus, right, which is interesting because it's one of the few stories we have of Jesus as like an adolescent, as a, as a young kid. You guys are what, like 10, 11, 9, 10, right? So, huh? 11, real close. So this is almost, you're almost how old Jesus was, and this is when Jesus was 12 years old, and it's one of the only stories we have. We have Jesus as a baby, and we have Jesus when he was around 30, when he started his, his ministry, but this is a different story. This is right smack in the middle when he was 12 years old, and Jesus and his family were in Jerusalem for the Passover. Like any good uh, Israelites were gonna, was going to do for Passover. You go into Jerusalem, you celebrate the Passover, and then you head back home. They're heading back to Nazareth. The only problem was for Jesus' family is Jesus was not with them. That's a problem. And Mary and Joseph didn't know that Jesus was not with him. In verse 44, it says, his parents did not know it, but supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey but then they started to search for them. So they knew he wasn't around. Here's the first thing. It wasn't like he snuck off. They knew he wasn't there. They knew for, for a, a while, they're like, oh, Jesus isn't here. He must be hanging out with his cousins. We'll just keep, we'll keep on walking. We're not, we're not worried about it. You know, maybe him and James, you know, James, the little brother of Jesus, he wrote a book later on in the New Testament. But Maybe he's all playing, and maybe they, we just don't see him right now. He's fine. They go a day, and then after a day, they start a little, getting a little worried. And so for you parents who freak out when you can't find your kid for five minutes, Mary and Joseph didn't even worry for a day. I don't know. But after a while, they started thinking, where is Jesus? We haven't seen him for a while. Um, hmm. Maybe we start looking for him. So they start looking for him, and for a side note for you parents, God chose these two people to be the parents of the Savior of the world, and they lost them. 
Like these were the two people handpicked by, by God to be the, the caretakers of his son and, and they lose him. And I'm sure Mary's freaking out, but can you imagine Joseph? Like Joseph is the, effectively the stepdad of Jesus. And he's sitting there and he's, maybe he's starting to pray and he's praying to God and he's thinking, God, please help us find, and then he remembers, wait, Jesus is, is God's son. Maybe I shouldn't be praying at the moment because maybe God doesn't know we've lost him yet. And he says, Mary, shh, don't say anything. God might not know. God, I was just praying to you because you're so loving and forgiving and patient and loving and patient and you would never hurt, that kind of thing. And then he's like, Mary, let's go get Jesus. Don't, but stop praying, Mary. This ain't the time for prayer. He's, I don't want to learn what the wrath of God is firsthand. I'm fine. So that's what happens, right, with, with Joseph. And I'm thinking he's got to be freaking out, right? And then in verse 46, it says, it says that they found him after three days in the temple. And he was sitting around with a bunch of teachers listening and asking questions, and they were amazed at all he knew. And then verse 48 says, and when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. Great distress. Like you haven't found your 12-year-old for three days. I think great distress is an understatement. That's just how I, I don't have a 12-year-old, but I imagine if I couldn't find them for three days, I'd be a little more than distressed. Um, but then in verse 49, Jesus says, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And then I imagine Mary saying, your father's house, I'm gonna send you to your father's house. And it ain't the one you're standing in, it's the one with the pearly gates. Because I mean, that just sounds like, why were you looking for me? I don't know, I haven't seen you for three days. Maybe that was why I was looking for you. That kind of deal. But he wasn't being, he wasn't trying to be obstinate. He wasn't trying to show disrespect. And we know that because in verse 51, which is where I want us to get into today, it says, he, was, he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. Can you imagine the creator of the world? In John 1, we know that we learned that Jesus was there at the beginning, right? The word was God and the word was with God in John 1. So we know Jesus was there in the beginning. He is God. He created the world. He created Mary and Joseph, but even still he was obedient to them. Some translations will say subject to them. And then in verse 52 it says, and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man, which is where orange gets the two 252, right? Luke 252. So our first point today is that obeying parents brings wisdom, right? Obeying parents brings wisdom. We get the opportunity to glean wisdom from our parents, right? That's kind of like a parent's job is to, to give wisdom to their kids. And the first way we get that is wisdom of their mistakes, Mary and Joseph, somewhere along in there, made a mistake losing Jesus. Like, I don't know where, you, you can't really put the blame on Jesus there, being that he was perfect and the savior of the world and all that. There was somewhere along in there that Mary and Joseph made a mistake. But what we get to do is parents teach them, get to teach their children about the mistakes. And it doesn't mean that parents are perfect, but from your mistakes, you don't want your kids to make the same mistakes. And us as kids, we get to listen to the parents and not make those same mistakes. 
right? We get to listen to them and say, hey, you know, I don't want to do what my parents did. I want to be a little different. And your parents get to show you those mistakes and help you stay away from that. We also get the wisdom of the world, which is a weird way to say it, but it says right there at the end of verse 52 of stature and favor with God and man, right? So, so Jesus had to learn about the world. Jesus had to learn about what was going on with the world, what was happening within the world, and Jesus needed, like he had to grow in that, right? And that was one of, that's one of the things that parents teach us. Parents teach us how the world works, how to interact with other humans, how to, how to be a good citizen. And that's one of the things that Jesus himself, the savior of the, the, the savior of the world, had to learn from his parents, right? And then lastly, we learn the wisdom of God. Right, we, we get to learn from them, we get to learn from God because that's really a parent's number one goal is the, their priority is to teach you and show you God. You are, as parents, the main disciples of your children. To a parent, your relationship with God should be more important than your grades, sports, friends, etc. Jesus himself was learning, and you can too, and it says that, right, that he grew in favor with God, and that's something that parents get to teach us when we're, when we are under them, when we're, when we're in their household, we learn about God through obeying our parents. Not just, not just honoring them, but obeying them in the way that Jesus was obedient to his parents. And that's one of those things that still like, it makes, it's hard for me to comprehend as, as, a, as an individual to think that going back to this idea of the savior of the world, this, this being who is all-knowing and knows all the sins of Mary and Joseph and was there when they were created and knows all of this, puts himself under obedience to them and subjects himself to them, which, like, you don't know all the problems. You know some of the problems your parents have, but you don't know all the problems your parents have. Jesus knows every single one of them. Jesus made his parents and still listens to them. It's pretty crazy. Now let's flip over to Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6, this is the end, this is close to the end of Paul's letter to the church of Ephesus, and he spends this time reiterating this point back that was made in Exodus, which is interesting, right? Here at the end of this letter, he reiterates this point that's made in Exodus, and he says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right, which is actually interesting because Paul uses this word obey there is actually the same word if you look back to the original Greek, which I'm not going to tell you what word that was because I try to pronounce it and you'll make fun of me. And it's just going online, and I don't want you, the online people to make fun of me too. So I can't pronounce the word, but there's a word, and it's the same word that the people used to describe Jesus when Jesus was on the Sea of Galilee, and the waves and the wind were going crazy, and then he spoke to him and said to calm down, and all the waves and wind stopped. Remember that? And then all the disciples and some other people were like, wow, even the wind and waves obey him. And that's just an interesting side point here that I don't remember. Again, I'm, I'm relatively new to this pastor game. I've never preached on a Sunday morning, but I don't recall when Jesus spoke to the winds and the wave that the winds and the wave snapped back at, at, at Jesus and said, ah, I'm not feeling it. I'm going to keep storming a little bit. I'm not really, I'm not really into this like calming down right now. I want to stay winds and wave. No, they just listened right? They just listen. It's the same word that's used. And so in the same way, children obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. 
right? So we obey our parents. But it keeps going in verse 2, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. It's not just being nice to your parents, but obeying and honoring them. That's because honoring parents brings freedom. This idea is in verse 3 as it goes, that it may go well with you, right? Paul's saying it may go well with you. We want honoring your parents to bring freedom. Gives you freedom, which is weird because you think when you honor or obey, like you should, you're going to be taking away freedom, right? Because the whole concept of freedom is that you're free to make your own choices and free to do that. But there's, God always works backwards, right? Jesus is the creator of the world. He literally created freedom, but he puts himself subject to his parents, right? So honoring your parents brings freedom. And he says right there, so that it may go well with you and you may live long in the land. And that's freedom from a couple things, freedom from bitterness and freedom from hurt. When you're in Christ Jesus, you understand that you are not a perfect person. Like that's one of the most, the, the basic tenets of Christianity is that you realize, yeah, I messed up. I got my own sin. I'm, I'm hurting and I, I, I fall short of the glory of God. But see, what happens is the enemy wants to be divisive and the enemy sits there and whispers in your ear, your parents don't know. Your parents don't understand. Your parents don't want what's best for you. And the enemy sits there and whispers, and he wants to be divisive, and he wants to create this, this rift between you, and the enemy would have you believe that you're the only one that you can count on. But a heavy majority of us have parents that care and want the best for us, that desire us to have a better life. But they're still hurt, right, because parents hurt us, and we, we carry this baggage with us as believers as really anyone, right? We carry this baggage because there's parents say stuff like, you let me down and your team down, you need to practice harder. Or like these grades, with these grades, you're just a failure. Or why can't you act like so-and-so's kid? Or you're never going to amount to anything. Or we're better than that. You need to do better. Like there's this more and more stuff that our, our parents, because we have imperfect parents and parents give us baggage every day. And we have the opportunity to hold on to that baggage and give us reasons not to obey and honor them. Or we have the opportunity to do the opposite. Obeying your parents gives freedom from that bitterness and hurt. Honoring your parents gives us this opportunity to leave the bitterness and hurt behind because we understand that we're not perfect. We understand that our parents are not perfect. And so in that, we have Christ Jesus that covers all of those sins. It gives us freedom from more than just that, though. It gives us freedom from their mistakes. Right? We talked about that. It gives us wisdom from their mistakes earlier, but it also gives us, as children, it gives us freedom from their mistakes. The same way you obey your parents and you get wisdom, you also get freedom God knows your heart and there's nothing hidden from them. You remember Mary and Joseph and Jesus knew the mistake that was made of really leaving a kid. He had every opportunity to be, to say, you left me. You don't have the authority to speak into my life now. As, as Jesus could have turned to his parents and said, you've missed the opportunity. No more. I'm not under you guys anymore. Literally, he is the creator of the world. He can do what he wants, but he doesn't. 
And this is even more important for your children who have parents that aren't believers. And this, this is applicable to even people who aren't under their parents, aren't living anymore. It doesn't matter if you're 40, 50, 60 years old. If you have parents who are not believers, God didn't design the family unit for the children to be the discipler of the, of the parent, but we live in a fallen world and that happens. Right, we, live, we don't live in a perfect world. We live in a world that is messed up and that's okay. But so what happens sometimes is children get this unique opportunity to disciple their parents. So it's even more important that, that the children of people who don't believe in God to haven't given their life to Christ, to share the gospel with their parents. And one of the biggest ways to share the gospel with your parents, one of the biggest ways to say, you know what, Jesus is number one in my life is to honor and obey them. And again, that works just as well if you're not under your household. The obey doesn't always work once, you're, once you get out of the household, but the honor stays the same. When you have a relationship that struggles with your parents and maybe they don't understand why you want to go to church. In the student ministry, I have a number of students whose parents do not understand why they want to spend time coming on Sundays or Wednesdays. Literally, they get here at 9.30 and their parents drop them off at 9.30 over there in warehouse and then they come over here to, for the 11 o'clock gathering and they get dropped off at 5.30, 6 o'clock on Wednesdays and picked up at 8 o'clock and the parents don't know why. They don't understand why they would want to do stuff, why they would want to spend their time doing this and it's different but when you have this relationship that struggles with your parents, you have this opportunity to say, yeah, things were difficult for me. Things were difficult for us, and our relationship was difficult, but something's changed in me, and what's changed is I've given my life to Christ. What's changed is, yeah, I'm not perfect. I understand that you're not perfect, but Jesus has gotten a hold of my heart, and he has put authority, in, and he has put this authority in my place, which is you. As a, when you're looking at, as a child, the authority that's put into, in front of you is your parents, so, and I'm sorry for my actions. I've not been perfect and I'm not going to be perfect and I don't get it right and I'm not gonna always get it right, but my life is different. Christ has changed the way I look at my life. Christ has changed the way that I look at this relationship. And if I'm gonna renovate it, I'm gonna renovate it right now that I'm done. I'm done talking and, and being about myself. I'm gonna actually start looking to my parents and loving them and honoring them and obeying them. I haven't got it right before, but I'm going to get it right right now. And what happens to a parent who isn't a believer, what happens to a parent that isn't walking with Christ, is all of a sudden, that's some hardcore evangelism right there. Right? right? Like we don't, we get kind of confused sometimes to say evangelism only works when you go door to door or you have to share. You know, but sometimes evangelism happens right there in the home. And I've seen it with kids. I've seen it and other opportunities with, between kids and siblings and kids and their parents. But that's, that's evangelism at its finest. And there is a caveat to this, and I do want to put this in here, that obeying your parents only goes as far as they're, and they're not trying to get you to hurt yourself or others. And this is just a side note because I don't want this to get confused. If you're in a situation where a parent is hurting you or you have been physically hurt by your parents, you don't have to live in that. Jesus came to set the oppressed free. That's a different situation. Do not continue to live in that. There are people here to help you. It's not normal no matter what they've said. Parents are to love their children. All right, I just want to give that caveat. But back to a majority of the parents 
Lastly, parents make great teachers, but terrible deities. And this is a weird thing, and I'm going to go back, and this is, a, this is an odd way to look at things because you start thinking, all right, well, they're to obey and to honor, which is true. But as our, we understand that our parents, if you don't know what deity is, deity is God. I'm sorry, I, I should have been a little more. Deities are God. They're, that's what God is, a deity. The teachers, parents make good teachers, but terrible deities. Matthew 10, 35 through 37. This is the last verse I'm getting into. It says, for I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against his mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law and a person's enemies will be uh, those of his own household. Whoever loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Your mom and dad, your mother and father are not God. And I probably shouldn't have to tell you that. You probably already know that they're not God. But your commitment to God should make your commitment to your parents look so small. Now this happens to work well for you parents since God is telling them that they need to listen and obey you. So that, that works really well. You get a, a, a freebie on that one, right? Because like part of that is like if you're going to have this close relationship with God, then you have to be honoring and obeying your parents. And then for your parents, think back to Mary and Joseph losing Jesus. Mary and Joseph were so focused on the task at hand and less worried about their son's relationship with his ultimate father, God, that they, that they weren't even worried about that spiritual. They got so focused in on the task at hand that they forgot about the real thing and keeping the main thing the main thing, which at, at Pleasant City Church, we say Jesus is our lead story. That's our number, that's our first culture value. Jesus is our lead story. And in the same way, parents, they forgot about Jesus being the lead story. They got so focused in on the first thing and I don't know what that is for you. Maybe it's grades, maybe it's sports, maybe it's something else, I don't know, but they forget, parents so easily forget keeping the main thing the main thing. But what happens for our kids is you can't control what your parents do. What they say to you, what expectations they put on you, but for the overwhelming majority, they do want what is best for you. Right? They want what's best. And, but you have the ability to change your atmosphere. You have the ability to change your atmosphere. If you don't like your relationship with your parents, change it. If you, don't, if you feel like that your parents and you aren't clicking and you're like, man, I just, I don't wanna, I'm tired of my mom. My mom's been on me this entire time. I'm, my dad's just been riding me. I'm tired of this. Honor them, obey them. Even when they miss it, honor them and obey them because there's something that changes when you start putting what's the main thing, the main thing, which is God, and you start following your parents and obeying them, stuff starts to change. The atmosphere in your house starts to change and you get to live in what God has put in front of you, which is as a child in this situation and in this time frame in your life, your parents are the, the functioning authority. Really, they're the functioning Holy Spirit in your life. Is our application. If you can't honor your parents, who you can see, how will you ever honor a God who you can't see? Your relationship with your parents is vindictive of how your relationship with God is. Your parents are children of God just like you, so treat them as such. And this is one of those weird things to think about that like, okay, your 
We are both, me and my father and my mother and my brother are all children of God. And so when I, when I treat my parents poorly, I'm treating a child of God poorly which is a weird way to think about it, right? And this, this, is, this works for when, if you wanna renovate any relationship at all, like parent, friend, family, anyone else, if you look at someone else as they are a child of God, they were fearfully and wonderfully made, they were created by God and handcrafted, and then if you're just like, I'm tired, I'm, I'm gonna show disrespect, I'm gonna show dishonor to anybody, you're, that relationship's gonna be in a bad spot. But it's even more important as kids, as children, even as adult children, that we get this opportunity to honor our parents. That we get this opportunity to honor them, and by doing so, we get to give glory to God because God has said it's good, right? He said that it's good back in Exodus 6 because it's the right thing. Because in the end, you are doing it to Jesus. And Jesus, and if we had this right, like, right, we have this ability to see what happened in the future, right? We know that in the end, after this, Jesus was 12 years old. And then about another 15 years, he started his ministry. And then another three years after that, he got put in front of a, a jury and he got put and he was condemned to death and he hung on a cross and he was sitting there hanging on a cross and he looked at all these people that he had the right to condemn because they put him up there in a place that he'd had no reason to be there. He was wrongfully accused, but he sat there and hung on a cross and his, his mom is there at the cross, we know that, and probably his, some of his brothers and, and his disciples and all these other people and the Roman guards and everyone else is sitting there and when he has the opportunity to tell them, you were wrong, you messed up. Just like as kids, sometimes we have the opportunity to tell our parents, you were wrong, you messed up, you hurt me, let me tell you about this hurt. But instead, what does Jesus say? He looks to heaven and says, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They've missed, they've missed it, that's okay. I'm not holding them condemned. And if there's anyone in our life that we can look to that said that he had the right to say, uh, I'm, I'm done with this, it's Jesus. And he hung right there on the cross and gave the opportunity to say anything he wanted. But instead he said, God, just forgive them. Just forgive them. And that's where it ends right here, that with if we are going to honor our parents, if we're going to show honor to God, if, then it starts with being, I forgive my parents. I forgive them. It doesn't matter how bad a hurt that they gave you, how bad a hurt that you're carrying, how much baggage you're carrying with you, or if you're not carrying any baggage at all. God, I forgive them. I, I'm not yet a parent, but I do, I've talked to many parents, and I know <laughs> half the time you're just guessing anyways, right? I know that. But you want what's best, and you love them, and they love you, and in return, we get this opportunity to say, hey, we're all just children of God, trying to do what's best, trying to be in what God has for us. Right. So if, if I get some ushers here, we're gonna go into a, a time of prayer. Um, and guys, I really do, I want us to, to remember this week, like even if you are a, a parent, and you, you have your kids, remember these words. Like, remember, go back to them and, and challenge your kids on this. And if your kids, actually all of you are children of someone, 
take time to reach out to your parents. I know I don't honor my mother and father enough by just calling them and checking up on them and talking with them. They're going to be at the next gathering. I got to say that to them in their face. So that's, that's, a, that's going to be a fun thing. But really, I challenge you guys, look into this week and say, how do I, how can I honor my parents? How can I honor these relationships in my life? Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this, this message. God, thank you for this relationship that you've given us as children to our parents. God, thank you for growing us through that. God, help us forgive our parents for the sins and the hurt that they've, they've done to us. God, help us them forgive us for the sins and hurt that we've done against them. God, we pray that you continue to renovate this relationship with our parents. God, we thank you and we praise you. It's in your son Jesus' name we pray, amen.